Good evening. It's time for Necromaniacs. I hope everyone's doing well. And how are you doing, Jeff? Everything going well on your side of the uh, the table there? It's going all right. I'm kind of exhausted today. But uh, other than that, things are going pretty good. Uh, I've been making furniture all day. That and, sounds uh, like fucking I'm, horrible, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure this is something everyone can relate to. You go to Ikea, you buy a bunch of stuff, and, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it, the, the instructions are all pictures, which seems simple enough, but I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> so, um, so it, at first it was kind of like seemed overwhelming, but like after like, you know, like my fourth thing or whatever, I kind of got the hang of it. And, uh, it's more time consuming and tiring than I really expected. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of sleepwalking right now, but you know, I'm going to fucking rally and do this. Well, I appreciate that, man. And, uh, of course. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I always have problems with the, with putting together um, the IKEA stuff too, man. Honestly, so don't, don't feel bad. Yeah, and it's like, dude, I felt like if I just kick this thing, the whole thing would just fall apart. <laughs> like, not even kick it that hard. Like, it, it's pretty cheap stuff, even though I mean, it's not well, it's not expensive compared to uh, you know actual real furniture. <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you drop some money on it, but I feel like the stuff it's constructed out of is just kind of cheap. It's definitely cheap. I, I got to say, I'm going to go on record saying that the only worthwhile stuff at Ikea is their, like, like towels and, like, some of their kitchenware. Like, if you want to buy, mm. like, knives and forks and glasses and bowls and stuff like that. Yeah, or, like, a lamp or something like that, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, like, uh, this is uh, something I need. Like, we, we've been basically looking like it's, we're squatting in this house. Our stuff is still not here. Hopefully, by the time it airs, this episode airs, it will be here. Uh, but you know, I'm sleeping on an air mattress and just surrounded by shit everywhere. And I was like, maybe if I just have some furniture in here, you know, like someplace to put my clothes instead of like still in the suitcase, you know, I'll feel, you know, make you feel a little bit better. So that was my thought process there. So I was like, I just need something. And, uh, my old dresser that's coming here is just kind of old and shitty. And like, you know, it's probably going to go in the guest bedroom or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was my day. <laughs> like just fucking making shitty ikea furniture sweating sitting on the floor so when i come down there that's where i'm gonna be staying is in the guest bedroom i think so yeah but we don't have a we have a mattress in there but we don't have a frame for it so i hope you like sleeping three inches off the ground that's fine i spent most of my yeah. life sleeping on the floor anyway so yeah you know yeah i'm kind of like it's kind of weird sometimes i think the floor might be more comfortable than this fucking air mattress it's like when you wake up it's like you're on a waterbed, like, you know, some of the air has gone out. You know, I got cats, so they probably poked a hole in it somewhere. So the air kind of slowly seeps out. And by the time you wake up, you know, you try to sit up and you're like sloshing around like a fucking asshole. You know, not not, not for nothing. I actually have, I would say 80% of my furnishings in this place are all Ikea stuff. Even though I just said that it's all cheap for the most part. But I, I'm not yeah. any better than that. I have like everything, all my furniture except for the couches is and the uh, the rocking chair the recliner are all all yeah. ikea even my desk yeah. ikea yeah and that's you know you definitely don't want a bed from ikea no. or a couch or anything like that i mean this shit is so uncomfortable i remember a friend that had an ikea couch and it just like comes up to like the middle of your spine and just you just know where to put your head <laughs> it was the most uncomfortable couch i've ever been on yeah. 
end. Like it, it was just like skip and you know, fuck that, man. But uh, you know, I don't start work till Sunday, so I've had plenty of time uh, to watch stuff. Um, this is how we like to start off the show. And uh, I watched an old one, one I know you really like a lot. I, I watched Lost Highway. Oh yeah, man, it's great. Love it. Yeah, love that movie. And it's been a really, really long time since I've seen it. And it was kind of good to see it with sort of fresh eyes. I'd say it's been probably about 10 years since I watched it last. And uh, it still holds up, man. And it's also weird to think, like, like I saw that in the theater. And, like, now it looks like, you know, 90s movies have a certain look to them. You know what I mean? Like, every every decade, the movies have a certain look. And it definitely has that 90s sort of, like, sheen to it. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, totally, man. And you know that's that's a videotape that we had at the uh, Thirty Eight Calumet apartment. That was like we had two videos that someone rented and never returned. And um, yeah, that was one of them. And Event Horizon was the other. Oh man, does it get more nineties than that? Yeah. So we had those two video cassettes like that just were there. I don't even know who rented them, but they they're probably still there. You know, <laughs> who knows. <laughs> We had a similar thing at the 91 Hillside, the Hydra Head House. We had a copy of uh, Train Spotting, like, with, in the Blockbuster video case that was yeah. just there. And, like, just one of those movies. I've seen Train Spotting at least 100 times. Someone would come over, oh, you rented Train Spotting. Well, no, it's actually been here for, like, five months. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, that was, a, that, that, that was our movie that was forever being, being played at, at that house. But uh, Lost Tyler, yeah, one of... One of Lynch's best, and I believe it's the first movie I saw in the theater when I moved to Boston. I really? went with, uh, yeah, I went with Aaron Turner and Chris Marishak, the original um, keyboardist, or whatever you want to call him, for ISIS. Uh, we were all, this is a year prior to the band starting, but we were all kind of knew each other, and we were all really big David Lynch fans. And we saw that screening with like a bunch of obnoxious film students, because I think it was opening night. And like I remember, someone like like in, in in like the first ten minutes, someone saying quite audibly, oh, "David Lynch loves those red curtains." Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I got eyes. You see that? Um, and then at the very end of the movie, this guy stood up and turned around to address the audience and be like, "Okay, Emerson students, what did we think of that?" Emerson. Oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this is this how it's going to be in Boston? <laughs> is, this, is this what it's going to be like? Isn't Emerson like one of those schools where they just let anyone in? Like you could just, you basically just sign up and they, they admit you? Like you don't even really apply to that school? Yeah, I had them four roommates at one that went to Emerson. And I'm like, half of them, I'm like, how the hell are you in college? You're literally one of the dumbest people I've ever met. I feel like everyone, <laughs> but, uh, everyone I knew, like almost 70% of the people I knew in Boston went to Emerson when I lived up there. Uh, yeah, I either went to Emerson mass art or like you know turner went to the museum school because yeah, he, he has he he has actual talent yeah. <laughs> oh i take that back there's plenty of good artists that came out of uh the other schools uh dennis leary went to emerson and i believe jay leno maybe someone of a bunch of people of, of note went uh went to that school and i remember seeing i was going on one of my walks and i remember seeing brian singer coming out of emerson and oh, this would be right. around the time this would be around the time he was doing X-Men or X-Men had come out. Maybe it was X-Men 2. I don't know. It was definitely before it turned out like everyone found out he was a fucking child predator. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I think maybe he went there. I don't know. So some people have gone, you know, 
gone on to do good things. Funny enough, when I moved to LA, my apartment in Hollywood, like after about a year of living there, they built a giant Emerson on our street, blocking the view of the Hollywood sign. Uh, I fucking can't escape this place. Um, but yeah, it was good to go back and see, uh, see Lost Highway. Another movie I wanted to bring up with you, because I know this is a subject near and dear to your heart, Werewolves. Yeah. And I watched the new Sean Ellis film, The Cursed. I'm wondering if you've seen that yet. Yes, I want to see that, man. I'm going to watch it this weekend for sure. Curious what you think. Um, I didn't like it. Okay. I mean, I'm still going to watch uh, it. I'll, I'll let you know what I think of it. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe I watched it too early in the morning, but having some trouble sleeping. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm sleeping on an air mattress. so You tend to wake up like four or five times a night. Uh, so I just got up at like four in the morning, five in the morning and just started watching it. Like, and, um, yeah, Sean Ellis, interesting filmmaker. I usually find something of note to, to like about almost everything he's done, but this one just didn't do it for me. It wasn't a bad movie. I just didn't really do much for me. I, th- I think he made a much better horror movie about, uh, I don't know, 10, 13 years ago, something called, uh, broken. Um, which was kind of a stylish, moody piece. Uh, not great, but, 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 but pretty good. You can probably find it on DVD for like four bucks. It's, uh, or you can probably rent it on Amazon, probably for about the same price. Yeah, I haven't, but, seen, that. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that it, one. It's, 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 uh, it's good. I like it. It, it. it was one of those like after dark horror fest movies. Mm-hmm. Remember those things like in the early aughts where yeah. like, there'd be like eight movies to scream at night. Yeah, and like totally. one of them would be really good, and the rest would just be complete shit. Like like Mungo was one of those movies. Yeah, I remember that that series definitely. You know the uh, yeah yeah some of them were great, some of them were like not so great. That's what I remember about yeah. it. Yeah, the Broken is was one of the good ones, and uh, I don't know maybe maybe a second viewing of the Curse would would help, but just didn't really do it for me, man. And uh, finally, last thing I want to mention is a movie. I didn't mention last week, I forgot, but uh, I watched it in Boise. Like the movie we're about to talk about, uh, I watched a movie called The Shed. And uh, I know you watched that as well yeah. at some point. Um, yeah. Not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like that at all, actually. I remember um, it was just one of the I, – I saw it quite a while ago, actually. And it was just one of those nights where I'm like, man, I was just kind of listlessly – scrolling through whatever was out there and it sounded interesting and i put it on and i'm like i was really disappointed by it yeah i mean it kind of well-worn territory like the kid who finds a monster and and uh finds a nefarious purpose for but you know it's a a premise that can be well done and you know there's a difference between low budget and amateurish and this movie felt very amateurish and uh I was just kind of confused as I, I remember. I was like, oh, I remember this movie. I had a cool one sheet, and like, I remember the reviews were pretty good. And when it was all said and done, it was like, really, like, I don't know how anyone could think this is a good movie. Yeah, it's crazy but, how, how you, you can read these reviews sometimes, and then you watch the movie, and you really you believe that somebody gave someone like an envelope filled with money to write a good review about it. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's so many like weird, like, you know, like lighting not matching up or like weird continuity, like someone's hair would be parted differently within the same scene. Like things like things about the plot of the story that like made no sense where the movie 
this movie, it was like an hour and a half long. It could have been 20 minutes shorter. Like, it was really just like, yeah, it was bad. But uh, other than that, that's that's pretty much it. I've been catching up on Better Call Saul. Um, I know the last season's playing right now, so I've been catching up on that. I'm not really a big prequel guy, but this show really does have a life of its own. It's not completely just like, hey, remember this one, Breaking Bad? Isn't that cool? Um, it's really kind of takes on took on a life of its own. I don't know if you're familiar with either of those shows. Well, yeah, I, I love. I thought Breaking Bad was awesome, and and I I only saw the first season of Better Call Saul, and I don't know why I fell off of it because I really liked it, but I'm gonna have to watch the whole thing again. I think it's it's definitely worth going. The first season compared to like the last season I saw, which was five six is on right now, it gets progressively darker and more in depth. Like it gets more into like cartel stuff, whereas the first season is more sort of like a family drama and. Um, a little bit funnier in tone than than uh, what it becomes. It gets it gets dark. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really I still enjoyed the first season. So I, I for whatever reason I just fell off of the show. I don't know why, but I did. That happens yeah. all the time. Like I feel like I've watched one season of a lot of things and thought, oh, that was good, only to like never return to it. Yeah. Like um, I was enjoying Castle Rock, and I didn't even finish the first season. Like I just completely forgot about it. <laughs> Actually, the same thing <laughs> happened to me, too. I still have, like, two episodes left in the first season. Yeah, and, like, uh, my girlfriend Taryn was, I think she, I would caught, like, a few minutes here and there in the second season because she continued to watch it. But, I don't know, maybe one day I'll go back, you know. Like, I'm a Stephen King fan, so uh, yeah, I'm sure at one point I'll I'll go back and watch that. But yeah, it just wasn't, it was cool, but, like, you know, I was like, yeah, no, I completely forgot about it. Uh to lead into what you've been checking out, Mike, you posted something on Instagram today. Uh, you've been reading The Nightmare Factory, the comic book based on Ligotti's writings, haven't you? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I've had that for a while, but, like, yeah, I was, like, thumbing through it. Um, yeah, I was, like, talking to uh, a friend, um, mm. and we were talking about Thomas Ligotti, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And uh, yeah. she's also a really big fan of theirs, too, so... Do you have um, both volumes? No, just that one. Uh, the I second get... one is not as good as the first, but it has two really good stories. They do The Sect of the Idiot and uh, Gas Station Carnivals, which are two of Legati's stronger stories. Yeah, that's from uh, Teatro Grotesco. Yeah, I believe they're both in there, yeah. yeah. Um, good stuff, man. Like, And I don't think it butchers Legati's style. I mean, it definitely condenses, you know, it's like, you know, comic book, it's got to be like 20 pages, you know, a story or so. And you condensing like a you know, 50 page story into 20, you're going to lose some things. But it really, you still get the, that Ligotti feel, like the flow of his writing. Like the, I don't think you lose too much in, in the transition from, from story to comic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was on a big tear with uh, Thomas Ligotti um, up until maybe a couple of weeks ago. And I started uh, rereading Dracula. Um, I have this That's right, like, yeah. really cool, like Penguin Classics uh, hardcover with like a, a very bright cover, you know, like a lot of colors, yeah. like red and yellow, red and yellow, particularly. Which I don't normally go for a lot of color, but this was very striking, so I had to buy it, and it um, prompted me to re start rereading it again. And it's just such a great novel, by the way, just awesome. 
Yeah, I remember you showing me the, the, the a photo of the cover, and it looked like a Sex Pistols album cover. Yeah, it's it's really you know very striking artwork, and um, you know, and and the I mean, it's it's just a classic piece of literature, man. Honestly, aside from being a great horror story, you know. Hmm. Yeah. I uh, I've never read Dracula. Oh man, uh, I, think I, we mentioned that I last highly podcast. recommend it, man. Highly recommend it. I, I actually highly recommend reading Frankenstein too. They made a book out of that one too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're um, they're both great, man. I mean, you know, they're just pieces of like they're actual literature in my mind. You know, I, I recommend both of them. Yeah, they're classics. Yeah. Um, Penguin also is like the Criterion Collection of the publishing world. It seems like like oh, yeah. I have a really nice edition they did of a uh, uh, ten uh, the tenon uh, the uh, the novel or the story that uh, Roman Polanski based his film on, and there is an introduction to that story by Thomas Ligotti. Oh wow! That's, no, I didn't and, know that existed. Uh, yeah, it's really uh, it's really slick. It looks good. Like I said, they're like they're criterion or like the hydra head of like publishing everything looks nice there's a lot of uh, attention to detail putting out something that is aesthetically pleasing um cool company yeah i backed them 100 percent, man i have like a tons of their stuff like i have like one of the several like volumes of lovecraftian stuff i have lovecraft's novel uh, work is uh is a penguin edition of the cthulhu mythos and, oh uh, nice nice yeah uh, let's see oh well last night actually i saw the north man by Robert Eggers. Oh, cool. All right. So what did you think? I, I said, yeah, been a little busy. I haven't been able to get out to see it. It was fucking epic, man. It was great. I, um, I, I bought tickets, you know, online cause I have like the AMC movie app, you know, where you can buy tickets online and, uh, um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, you buy it through the app and, um, I, that's how I do it now all the time. I pick my seat. First, I check to see how many people are, are going that night. And if yeah. there's too many people then I'll go another time. <laughs> so oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Totally. So like, I, I scoped it, and I was like, "All right, the the eight forty five session was the last showing of the film on a on a, this is a Wednesday. We're recording this, so it was on a Tuesday night. And so I got tickets. I went to train for two hours. I drove directly to the to the mall where the Menlo Park AMC Cinema is, Dine In Cinema. Um, Ooh, fancy! Seated, for AMC. seated myself. You know, sat through. I don't know about four or five hours of trailers and then uh, <laughs> and then uh you know i got myself a cup of coffee and i just enjoyed the shit out of the movie man it was great it was just incredible visually the score was yeah. awesome it just really was epic man and um you know alexander skarsgård was great willem dafoe's in it ethan hawk is great everyone uh that white girl what's her name uh enya whatever the uh Right. <laughs> Any <laughs> really? other musician? No, no. You know, talking about she was in, she was in the witch. You know, like that super white chick. <laughs> Are you talking about the star of the witch, the one who's in Last Night in Soho and, is that and all her? that? Yeah, her. I think her name is like Taylor Joy or something like that. Oh, I think it's yeah, Enya Taylor Joy. Isn't that her name? Yeah, she's yeah. Like the uh, he seems to really like collaborating with her, uh, the director. Uh, Eggers, Robert Eggers. Eggers, yeah. yes, yeah. She was great. Um, um, also, uh, that other white lady that was from Eyes Wide <laughs> Shut is in it. Um, oh, yeah, the, the, and this is ex-Tom uh, Tom Cruise there, Nicole Kidman. Yep. Nicole Kidman, she was great. Everything was great. The movie was awesome. It was interesting, violent, no agenda, which I like. 
It was like a study of just fucking maleness, really. <laughs> it's just like violence, revenge, you know, like all the great, all the things that make life great, you know, was in this movie. Violence and revenge. I mean, that's really all you need in life. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I was reading that this is like, I try not to read too many reviews or things like that, but I've been kind of just seeing headlines like that. It's, his most mainstream movie to date, like, you know, The Witch is, and and then The Lighthouse are sort of these arty, heady, thoughtful kind of like horror flicks, and then like this is just more a little bit more like a kind of for everybody, like something that you know I, anyone can I, watch. I don't agree, I don't agree nope. with that. I mean, maybe well, if that's you went, good to hear. It's actually good to hear. Maybe if you went to Emerson, you know, and you have your head up your <laughs> ass, and you're a fucking art student, and you think that like David Lynch is a mainstream filmmaker, then yeah, sure. That that's accurate, but if I mean, it's not like he made like um like the Hulk or something like that. You know what I mean? It's not right, like he yeah. made like <laughs> you know the Robert Eggers to you know Fast and Furious. It was not. So, it, that's what I consider for everybody. Like this Good movie point. was like deep Norse mythology, you know, like well researched. You know, it was based on a, on a an Icelandic legend. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't really consider that to be that mainstream, really. You know, I feel like uh, that, like it sounds like the same concept as like a neurosis album. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 I was getting like these feelings of that same level of just intensity and grandeur, man. And also, I'm going to say this too: I want Robert Eggers to make a Conan movie. Oh, that would be interesting. After seeing this, I was like, "This is like, you know, perfect." It, he would be the perfect filmmaker to realize Robert E. Howard's vision with Conan. Interesting. You yeah. know, I know he's been trying to get a Nosferatu remake off the ground. But I back like... that as well, man. I think that yeah. I really, really, I mean, I like his other films too. I like The Witch. I like the, you know, um, The Lighthouse. I thought they were brilliant. I love them both. Uh, and and that's what, I, that's the thing, man. Like, I appreciate like both aspects, both spectrums where it's like very heady and artsy, but I, and I also cre- appreciate a movie that's just got, you know, cool sword fights and awesome visuals and stuff in it. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, and this the big act- question I have. Well, what was oh, that? I'm sorry, go ahead. No. Well, I mean, this also had that too. I mean, sure, if you're just like maybe on your phone and texting and half paying attention in the film, like you might you might say, oh yeah, this is just like a movie about barbarians, you know. But it's not. There's like a, a lot of uh, you know like topics that are like the kind of how far is too far with revenge and like obsession and like unhealthy, mm. unhealthy fixations on certain things. Like there's all sorts of things that the movie really gets into, you know? Yeah. Like I can't, can't see Robert Eggers making like a straightforward film, no, no, just no. like a popcorn flick. It just doesn't seem like his style. Um, and I'm going to make one more statement about it too, is like how men and women really need to coexist in the world. Because like, oh. yeah, man, you there's a there's moments in the movie where it's like unbridled male rage just brings about complete destruction, you know. And mm-hmm. like, maybe if there's like the feminine that tempers that rage and that obsessive, you know, just you know that obsessiveness that you would probably have a better existence. So there's a lot of things like that in the film too. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, the question I had for you: Does it dethrone Valhalla Rising as the best Viking movie? Oh ever yeah, made? definitely, man. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. dude. It's wow. my. It's Big. it's one of my. That's this is going to be one of my favorite, maybe my favorite movie of the year actually so far. Mm. I think the year Valhalla Rising came out, but that was my favorite movie. Uh, it's like it's it's like he went into the like that Nicholas Winding reference like I want to make 2001 but about Vikings <laughs> like I really feel like it's that strange and and heady a, a, of a movie like at that point I'd never really seen anything quite like it. it's a Viking movie there's barely any dialogue it's super violent it's super psychedelic uh, I, I absolutely love that movie yeah I, I enjoyed it I just think this is I like this one more though but you know. All right, strong yeah. recommendation. I really, yep, totally, uh, really got to see that. And then um, I watched uh, the first two episodes of Outer Range. Josh Brolin and uh, Imogen Poots is also in that from uh, Green Room. Sure, great. Oh, uh, so right, far, yeah. so far, I really dig it. It's um, it has the feelings of a weird tale, actually. Um, yeah, you'd mentioned that earlier when we were talking about it. Yeah, there's something about it that reminds me a little bit of um. Shadow at the Bottom of the World, or uh, that uh, Ligotti story, mm-hmm. where it's like this. In that story, there's like this weird scarecrow, right? In, yeah. In this, uh, you know, show, there's a weird black hole in the ground, <laughs> and it's like uh, that's what I mean. It has like that that weird tail vibe to it. There's a black hole. Where does this go? Where does it come from? What happens if you jump into this hole? You know, like. Like it just out of nowhere, there's this fucking weird black hole, which is a portal to somewhere else. It's like that's a weird tale, if you ask me. I yeah, I, and I I love it when westerns like kind of cross with like genre movies, yep. like a western horror, western sci-fi. I'm such a sucker for that kind of stuff. And yeah. there's a real lack of good movies like that. I think I, when I grew up as a kid, you know, being a Growing up in the 80s and going to the video stores, there's a movie called uh, Grim Prairie Tales. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, that sounds cool, though. It sounds cool. And it was good when I was a kid watching it as an adult. I'm like, this kind of sucks. But it was like a Western anthology horror movie. Uh, And as a kid, I loved it. But as an adult, I was like, man, I wish there was a good version of this floating, like somewhere, like a good horror story that's also a Western. But uh, so this sounds like it might scratch that itch a little bit for me. Yeah, I have to get into it more. Like I said, I only saw the first two um, two episodes, and so far I like it. You know, and and um, yeah, there it's like that. You know, western weird tale horror. Uh, Adam Neville wrote um, a short story that was like a, a vampire western, and it's in one of I can't remember the title of the short story, but it's in one of his. Um, uh, one of his short story collections that if you go on Amazon, they're black covers and it's like none shall, shall, none shall sleep tonight or something like that. Anyway, it's it's great, you know, and, and I, I like similar to what you said. I love when weird tales and Westerns collide, you know. Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's a genre ca- crossing I love. Sort of like a detective story that, that involves like the supernatural, you know, something like. Polanski's like The Ninth Gate or something like yep. that. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Or that Clyde Barker. Two things that, I love. That uh, Clyde Barker. Um, Lord of that. Illusions. Yep. There you go. Um, yep. Saw that in the theater. <laughs> one last thing is I finally saw the saw Possession. The, uh, okay. The Andre right. Zalowski yeah. film with, uh, with Sam Neill. A and, young uh, Sam Neill, young, yes. A young Sam Neill, like a kid. Like Probably he had his, his, yeah. He was like 22 or something. Or something. <laughs> <In> this, <laughs> and... Uh, what 
a incredible movie, man. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a top 10, maybe even top five. Because again, like I think uh, we were talking off air, I uh, was looking uh, through, I don't know, just websites, something about Lovecraftian horror, and that movie came came up. And I was like, I've never even heard of this. And really kind of became obsessed with tracking down an uncut copy, which back in those days wasn't as easy as it is now. I think there's a Blu-ray, and uh, I think it's been remastered and was put out in theaters early last year. Uh, but back then, it was hard to find. I think I paid like 80 bucks for a DVD of that. Um, and what I saw was not Lovecraftian horror. It was something completely different and just really, I mean, very unique. But I don't think we should say too much about it because I think you and I are going to talk about that. Yeah, one. definitely, for sure. I, don't, I, don't, I agree with you, not Lovecraftian, but uh, more like surrealist, like Lynchian kind of film. Yeah, and this probably predates Lynch's weirdest stuff too. So like, I, I kind of wonder, like, I could see Lynch being a big fan of this and like it being an influence on him. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I could so be now, talking on my ass. <laughs> not maybe, you know. But uh, before we get going, I just want to shout out to our 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 co-conspirators in this uh, podcast realm. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Break the Apocalypse. I'm also talking about Into the Necrosphere, which if you love black metal and extreme music, uh, you can check that out. And um, recently, my co-host, Ralph Schmidt, over at Everything Went Black, was a guest on that show uh, to talk about his band Ulta and their brand new record. Um, Horror Wolf 666, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Brandon Legion and his lovely wife, Cynthia, down in, uh, in South Carolina while I was on tour. And that's like one of the coolest things is when you get to meet people in real life. And it was great hanging out with, uh, with Brandon and, uh, we had a great time. And I, I recently was get, it was a guest on his podcast. We talked about Lovecraftian horror and that's forthcoming. It might be, uh, out in another week or two. So just keep your eyes and ears looking, out for that. And looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. And of course, if you're not sick of hearing me talk about horror movies and you want to check out some other shit that I do, you can check out Everything Went Black, which is like weekly. Uh, there's a Patreon that's got bonus episodes. And um, yeah, if uh, once again, if you need more of me talking, <laughs> check that out. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there you go. All right, man. So Yeah, yeah. Right on, man. So we're here to talk about Bloody Hell today. You know something? I almost forgot what movie we were talking about. Actually, I, like, <laughs> I have to be honest about that. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I had to text you to like, which one are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole bunch of ideas floating around. Yeah. So this but is yeah, something. You, this is this is a movie that you recommended that I was completely unaware of, and um, so yeah, it's it's out there uh, for rental. You have to rent this one. Um, Released October 8th, 2020 in Australia and October 9th, 2020 in the U.S. So it's a relatively new film. It's uh, 93 minutes and it's uh, out of Australia. And it's in the action horror realm. Directed by, Alice, uh, directed by Alistair Grierson and screenplay by Robert Benjamin. And I don't know who either one of these guys are. So I don't, are you familiar with these people? 
Um, I looked up Alistair the Grinson's uh, name because I, I I was like I'm like oh the name doesn't sound familiar. He directed a movie, I want to say about 10, 12 years ago, maybe a bit longer, called Sanctum, that I believe uh, James Cameron might have had a hand in it producing because it's a horror movie that takes place uh, mostly underwater, about like you know hmm. underwater spelunking or something like that. Uh, okay, I remember being better than the reviews i think um i think ebert gave it like a like a half a star or something i remember, just remember it getting eviscerated by critics and huh. and watching it and thinking like oh it's not that bad i mean it's not anything i would you know fucking be ecstatic about but it was a tense watch you know what i mean like there was moments of like anytime underwater and like people having to hold their breath that that really gets me you know what i mean actually it had it this this took place it was this is like very very down under vibe to it like it had like a like a very australian or or kiwi sort of flavor to it right like all the actors and stuff and it had it it had to do with like uh some crater or something like that and they went in that they had some like cave diving expedition something like that yeah like I, i don't really remember it that well i remember it had the guy from session nine in it the uh a British guy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. You know something? I I blind rented this back when I the final months of my of living in Brooklyn, in Gravesend. I remember renting this mm. because it it sounded cool, and I was hoping that it was going to have some sort of like Lovecraftian like bent to it because I figured underwater the title mm. was Sanctum, like there'd be some you know angle like that, but it didn't. It was like a straight kind of adventure like film. Yeah, like a, a survival, and you're underwater. It's pitch black. Your lights dimming. Your air is running out. It's that kind of a movie. Yeah, it? but it was pretty good, uh, though. I thought it was actually pretty. good. I didn't realize they did this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Because I mean, this movie to that movie, they they could not be more different. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so a bunch of uh people that one dude, Ben O'Toole, is like the the main character. I think mm-hmm. I've I feel like I've seen him before. Yeah, I couldn't quite place where, though. He looked, like, sort of familiar. I was like, oh, he's probably on, like, an episode of Law & Order or something. I don't know. Like, I, he's, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I could definitely see him playing, like, a superhero or something at some point. But I, I didn't quite – I couldn't quite place him watching this. Yeah, but it's like everyone – Everyone else in the cast is, like, an unknown. Everyone, unknown. Everyone in the cast looks like I've seen them somewhere else, though. That's the thing. Like, they, they're, like, oh, interesting. bizarro – versions of other maybe other actors could be could be <laughs> like one, one, um, of the, one of the actresses to be look like a young like linda carter <laughs> like there's this oh, guy who looks like someone that i've seen like in another movie maybe like you know i don't know it's it's weird but i haven't hmm. seen him i didn't recognize any of the films that he was in when i looked him up on on imdb you know yeah and uh, the lead uh, um uh, the co-lead Meg Fraser, who plays uh, Alia, like doesn't even have like a you know a name to like look up. I think this is the one of the first things she's been made like American early for American audiences that that, that that she's been in. Maybe she's done some like you know TV here and there, but couldn't really find much about her. Now the the other interesting thing about this film is that it's an Australian production, but it takes place in the United States allegedly. Yeah. Yeah, it Boise, start, starts off in Boise, Idaho. It starts off there. Yeah, which um, a few things about that. I did watch this in Boise, 
with people from Boise. And aside from this establishing shot of the city, none of it was filmed in Boise. And there's even a scene that takes place at the Boise International Airport, which actually doesn't exist. There is no international airport in Boise. And even if there was, there would be no direct flight to Helsinki. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So right away, I was like, that's an odd choice. Why Boise? It's like it doesn't play any part in the film at all. It could be anywhere, but they make it a point to say Boise. And I just, I know, I, I know it's, we just started talking about it and jumping off the nitpicking, but that I was couldn't let it go. I was like, why? Why Boise? Now, can I ask you a question? Is You know how you do this thing where, where you, you like to watch a film that is like from that part of the world? Is that why you watch this movie in Boise? No, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I had never heard of it. Like, uh, you know, I was staying with uh, my friend, TJ. Shout out to TJ, Nobody's Hero Tattoo in Boise. Um, and uh, him and his roommate just, like, have stacks of, of Blu-rays, DVDs, of, like, they're huge horror fans. And they had said, like, you know, this is something that uh, they just got, and they'd seen it a few weeks prior. And I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. i never even heard of it. Like, let's check it out. And they were like, yeah, it takes place in Boise. I was like, perfect. Then they're like, it wasn't filmed here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's how I ended up watching. This movie was never on my radar. I never heard of it. I was like, bloody hell. I was like, oh, it probably takes place in England or something. But it doesn't. <laughs> and um, I really think, and this might be a stretch, a little conspiracy. I figured out a second view of why it might take place in Boise and Helsinki. Because at one point, he looks down on his ticket, his uh, his, his uh flight ticket and the abbreviations are boy to hell oh wow (laughs) okay boise to helsinki the abbreviations on the ticket are boy to hell and i was like if they set this movie in boise just for that one split second shot of the ticket awesome (laughs) yeah that is kind of brilliant you know i didn't i actually didn't really pick up on that but uh yeah so so it's basically the it's about this guy rex who's played by ben o'toole who i swear i've seen somewhere (laughs) maybe he was just on the street in like union square or something like that but i know i've seen he he looks like a new york guy he looks like someone you'd see walking around new york you know in like nice leather shoes and yeah you know probably listening to the bad seeds on his headphones or something (laughs) oh you mean new york from like the late 90s not new york now yeah 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 Yeah. new york now (laughs) it's like the most generic motherfuckers you can imagine walking around but uh yeah yeah so that's um yeah so rex we learn is a is a veteran with uh, some really uh, specialized uh, fighting abilities, you know, and and also we infer from the way he, he's he interacts is that he might be um, suffering from post traumatic stress disorder because it seems like he has like an alter ego, like a good and a bad version of himself, one that pushes him to, to extremes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that the beginning of this movie also reminded me a little bit of a Quentin Tarantino film, you know? Glad you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's online at the bank. He's like this kind of slick guy, you know? He's got a cool haircut, um, leather jacket, you know, that kind of thing. And this very cute, very, very pretty young lady is the bank teller. And he's mm-hmm. positioning himself, and you, there, there seems to be some kind of chemistry between the two. And then, bang. These masked bank robbers bust in 
brandishing weapons. And this is where there, it, things start to cut back and forth between the recollection of what happened in the bank, the fall, you know, what he actually did, and the, the present time of the story. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Tarantino thing because I have it written down as like 90s influenced and uh, this movie is very non-linear. Yeah. Like it, it sort of like plays, this is not like a slow burn sort of dreadful horror movie. This is a lot more fun and playful. It opens with a scene in Helsinki with like some, you know, someone being chased down and like it kind of plays its hand right away. And then you get to the the, uh, the bank scene, uh, which I want to mention quickly. Him waiting in line, hoping he gets the teller that he likes. I, I feel like everyone in the world has done something like that. <laughs> you know, sure. when they're like, "I want teller number three, or I, you know, I want to be in the at the at the uh, you know the teller that's around the corner and away from everyone else." <laughs> I thought that was a I, I thought that was a nice re- relatable moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, the movie, like, you know, you get a bank or a robbery and then boom, like, you, you think that's that. But the, the movie keeps kind of cutting back, back and forth to like, what's happening now, what's happening in the past. And while it sh- like shows its hand, you know, it's going to be, you know, he's eventually going to run into this family. Like, you're never really quite sure where this movie is going to go or how things are going to play out. Like, even a little scene like how he picks he's going to go to Helsinki when he gets out of prison. Like he shoots a spitball at a map, and wherever the spitball lands, he's gonna he's gonna move to. That comes back later, and it's not even a moment you would really think that you'd go back to, but like they do go back to it. Like it has significance. Yeah, and and like we we both agree that this is very Tarantino esque, and yes. and I think it follows like a pretty like even the way the story is 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 revealed. Like like you know like when you watch Pulp Fiction there's like three different timelines going on in that movie and there's no exposition dump at any point. It's, it's, it's given to you over the course of the film. And that's pretty much right. how this thing proceeds too. Yeah, exactly. There's no big, exp- I thought maybe like when you're watching the opening credits and there's sort of like, you see the bank robbery and during the opening credits, you find that he ended up going to jail because you know, he's, he kind of saves the day. And is seen as a hero to some, but he still ends up getting arrested and put in jail for eight years for killing like what like you know a bunch of bank robbers because uh, they deemed it murder. And uh, he does eight years, and oddly enough, comes out looking the exact same as he did as when he went in. <laughs> I don't know if they were just like, yeah, fuck it, you know, let's not age him up or anything like that. He just did eight eight, eight years, and he just looks the exact same. This movie actually is, it's, I thought originally it was just going to be like kind of a shoot 'em up, you know, like, I, like once again, only checking this out based on your recommendation. Like I didn't, you know, I had no idea what the plot was or any of that kind of stuff, but I just thought it was going to be like some kind of shoot 'em up somehow they were going to, he was going to end up in, in, uh, you know, Scandinavia or, or whatever, you know, I, I didn't know what really direction this thing was going to go in. Yeah, I would like again, same thing. Like when I watched it, they, they were just like, Oh, it's kinda like they were like, Yeah, oh, it's fun, you know, like let's just watch something fun. I was like, Yeah, cool. So I really had no expectations or really no idea of where the fuck this movie was going. Like I had like in my head there was like a bunch of different things turning of a wh- where this could go. Um but uh yeah, it takes some unexpected turns. There's some 
this movie does not take itself super seriously. I think it is more wants you to have fun with it than than it is really trying to to say anything. You know, like we mentioned, this is a very '90s influence. There's also like this like kind of commentary on like celebrity and like when he gets out of jail, you know, like paparazzi's following him around. I really feel like that is like something like. Like, like today, like, you know, people don't have the attention span for like months, let alone eight years. Like this guy gets out of jail and like eight years later, people are still, you know, falling around and bending. They felt like a sort of just like a, a 90s idea. To, yeah, I agree uh, with that, actually. Me. That guy would be all but forgotten. You know what I mean? If eight years, if he'd gone away for eight years, nobody would even, he would be not even a footnote. Like he wouldn't be news at all. Yeah, exactly. He'd be news for like, like 10, 10 days maybe. And then like, people would go on to talk about who slapped you with the Oscars or, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. people just move on to the next thing. And eight years later, some, maybe someone would be like, Oh yeah, I, I kind of remember that. I think that happened in Boise. Um, so yeah, that, that struck me as odd. There's a lot of things like things early on watching this the first time around, like, like, Hmm, like, like he, at one point he's shown he's got money. Like he's got like a check for $31,000. That's how he funds his trip. Helsinki that is never mentioned again like where that money came from or anything I don't know if maybe you caught something I didn't no but I was like where, where the fuck did that come from that's gotta have like it's gotta come back later that's one of the things that didn't and I was like it, it irked me yeah that was a loose end that never got tied up actually you know that the money like where it came from I, I, and and the thing is this film is a pretty well scripted film really i think that the the script for this movie is really cool and something like unless of course there's uh you know some another edit of this film where they they compensate for that somehow i don't know yeah maybe it was getting a little long in the tooth or something like that uh, i actually feel this movie could have been a couple minutes shorter i'm not going to spoil anything but uh we'll get to the sort of end later like I, I really feel like there's like the, the last two minutes of this movie could have been cut out completely but uh yeah maybe there is a version of this where like they explain it or maybe it's just one of those things that was overlooked you know like like uh like boise not actually having an international airport <laughs> or like <laughs> like you know what i'm trying to say yeah but anyway i, 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 I like your i like your uh your reasoning though boy to hell <laughs> Yeah, I, dude, I could be pulling that out of my ass, and I probably am. But I, I, I again, if that's the reason, fucking respect. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I gotta talk. You mentioned that like Ben has. A, it's not or not, not Ben. The fucking Rex. Rex Jesus, yeah. where did I get Ben from? That's his actual name. <sighs> that's the actor's name, Ben. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm fucking. My brain's all fried today. Sorry. Um, I, what? He doesn't exactly have split personality or multiple personalities he's got this physical manifestation of like his thoughts that only he sees i wouldn't really call that a split personality but it's a key plot device yeah i mean it's it's i would say it's a result of some evil shit that he did when he was in in the military you know because he's obviously it's pretty uh, they established that he's you know ruthless uh and you know has like a very fine understanding of violence, you know, and how to, how to like fucking handle himself. So, right. um, to, that's why immediately I was like, Oh, it's some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, like whenever he's under duress, he has this, like the evil side of his personality. Cause that's the manifestation is the one that causes all him to do all the crazy shit, you know? 
Yeah, in a way, but also like the actual Rex all isn't like really all good either. He really no. is sort of like looking out for himself. So it's kind of interesting. You have like bad cop, worse cop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like Rex is not this like sweet, innocent guy, and then the other like dark part takes over. They sort of coexist and are sort of half you know decent and half like you know murderous like they're both kind of fucked up and i gotta say shout out to, uh, to the actor giving a really good dual performance making these characters who look identical just giving them subtle little differences to to, to separate them i thought he did a really good job with that yeah yeah because his alter personality he's like slightly more maniacal you know like his facial expressions and all that yeah, and like I think maybe he parted his hair or combed his hair a, a, a little bit differently, a little bit more swagger to the performance. Where whereas if like normal Rex is a little bit more reserved, but in, in, you know, um, not easy to do dual roles for for anyone, and it can be done really bad. It can go really wrong, you know. Like not everyone can pull off a Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers and and give you two just completely different characters. You know, uh, this isn't quite on the same caliber, but it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. He's, he's very good in the movie. And the character is actually pretty likable too. You know what I mean? Like you kind of, you don't want anything bad to happen to this guy. You know what I mean? You kind of sympathize with him, you know? Yeah. He's, and, he's cool. and of course, terrible, terrible things do happen to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, I like, you know, like, like he gets to Helsinki and even before he leaves, you know, he's skeptical. Like, you know, like you said, paparazzi's following him. He's not, everyone's looking at him, uh, and his alter Rex kind of, I, I think, spots these people, and he's like, no, I think they're after you. And uh, turns out he was right, and old Rex ends up um, in, in, in a basement, tied up, not, not quite sure what, how he got there or, or what happened. He's missing a leg. Yeah. And uh, if you want, if you're interested to see this movie, maybe now is the time to duck out because I think we're going to go into. Even though we might not spoil the entire film, we're going to spoil enough of this movie where it might ruin it for you. So yeah, I'm spo- trying to avoid it. Yeah, so part, spoil, yeah. spoiler alert for you guys out there. <laughs> but uh, this is where the movie like, again, like it's taking turns. You don't really like. You're like, oh, the main character is now Sans leg, <laughs> like. This kind of uh, ups the ante a little bit. It didn't quite see this coming. And, you know, and maybe like a more serious movie, like, you know, this would just be one guy, maybe wouldn't have a split personality. But here you have someone the actor can play off of, you know, himself. And you get to hear his inner thoughts uh, in a clever way by having two of them, you know, like one guy's hanging up there and the other guy's sort of surveying the scene for him. And, you know, you really get inside his head, you know, like the things like, you know, someone would train would probably think, okay, what, what's down here that I can use? What time is it? What, um, you know, like, how are these knots tied? Like how, what, what do these people want? I'm still alive for a reason. Um, and I just thought all of that was, uh, was, was, was pretty clever, pretty well thought out. Whereas if you could have just been a guy chained there with some, you know, people come to see him now and again. Well, well, yeah, it, it's uh, this is kind of like a parallel. It harkens back to um, Fresh in some ways. Yeah, I uh, I wrote that down too. We've been covering uh, a lot of movies lately that deal with the body parts being eaten. Yeah, and, and but this is where it departs, though, is that it it doesn't 
he's like still capable you know what i mean like in in a film like fresh uh something like like that this development could easily go into like some kind of torture you know like torture porn kind of vibe or something you know but in this case he's just like uh i my legs cut off or part of my leg is gone and how am i going to get out of this situation you know and um right and, and that's like where his kind of like reptilian brain like kicks in he starts to try to figure out what's going on and um and he looks around in the in the basement and there's all sorts of like uh indications that this is he's not the first person who who to be like locked up down there you know right yeah and i like too that the like like i mentioned the movie opens with the scene with like the the, the family although brief and so you kind of know something bad is going to happen i feel the audience is almost as in the dark as rex is like you're not sure of the intent you're not sure why he's there you're not sure what they want with him you're not really sure until like kind of for a while well yeah, so, but maybe because uh, just a few weeks ago I watched Fresh and these are the kinds of films that we've been doing. I'm like, okay, obviously <laughs> either the entire family is eating them. At first, that's what I thought it was. I thought they were all cannibals, even like that uh, very attractive um, lady, uh, Meg Fraser, who plays Alia, that even she was eating human flesh. But we, we learned yeah, see, that wasn't... that wasn't the case, though. Yeah, like, see, because there's a scene where like you know she's reading like this folk tale that is clearly about you know someone like has something to do with why they're doing this so i thought like there's something more to this this is going to be some sort of cult thing this is going to be some something like bigger than like you know they, they serve a bigger purpose like they, they worship this thing and they're uh i thought it was going to kind of go in, in in that direction and you also have like you know nods to folklore with the masks that the uh the Aryan-looking older brothers wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, let's look at, uh, like, so, like, the family consists of mother, father, uh, two older brothers whose name escapes me, a daughter, and a, a young son. Like, you know, uh, probably about, what, like, eight, maybe? Yeah, yeah, eight, sure. So, pretty big family. Uh, you learn... The family dynamics pretty quick. Uh, the mom seems horrible, uh, like she's the the evil one. The father is completely evil too, but he's a little bit more calm and measured in his rage and hatred. And you know, uh, the the older sons, you know, the the uh, Don Junior. <laughs> no, I think one of them. No, um, uh, you know, they're just sort of yeah, like you know, like they they, they grew up sort of. I don't know, in their parents' shadow, and like you know, they're just fucking evil little fucks. And the, the daughter's different though, and and she's the, has the most character out of anyone in the family, the biggest arc, the most more to play off of than just one emotion. Like mom is evil, and you know the the, the dad is common measure, but he's evil. She she has bigger, you know, she has problems with what they're doing. Yeah, she has compassion too, because she actually tries to help out Rex down there in the basement by caring for his, uh, you know, amputated leg there. Yeah, and like you see early on her trying to escape, and you know, uh, and you see her kind of fantasizing about getting away, and you know, someone someone coming to save her. I kept wondering, I was like, why don't they just kill her? They don't really seem to like her very much. 
they could put her in a cage. She grew like was locked in a cage for parts of her life. Like it was really cruel shit. Like actually kind of dark for a movie that's so light and funny. <laughs> like there's a lot of heavy shit going on in this movie. Yeah, totally. You know, and and it has a little bit of a fairy tale vibe to it. You know what I mean? I, that's the other thing I kept thinking about too is how it's like almost like this kind of big bad wolf like vibe like some sort of grim fairy tale where there's exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah I, I i picked up on that too that's why i thought like it would be again i was like oh this is gonna go somewhere like really like big but it's really a contained story it really is kind of like the evil is contained to like the family and like their their their, their big family secret and 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 then that's they don't serve like a, a greater purpose or anything like that, which was a little disappointing to me. I always kind of like you know, you know they end up like being like worshippers of the ancient ones or like you know like <laughs> they worship this thing in a pit or something like that. But you know this movie goes in a in a, in a different direction. Yeah, it's definitely more uh, like there's there's no supernatural element. It's just you know, um, I, actually you know what? Come to think of it, I like your option better like my idea was like they were all cannibals but i like the idea that you know maybe there was like some kind of like shapeshifter who was like like changed out with like one of the kids or something you know what i mean you know how like in fairy tales there's all these like folk like sort of um ideas that are out there about like you know something that like the big bad wolf is like masquerading you know it's like a monster that infiltrates the family somehow you know right and uh, like yeah and, and that that's just it doesn't go that way at one point there is uh you know like she's um our our heroine is talking to the star of the movie wife straight up and she says something that made me think like oh this is gonna go a different way when she's like you're not getting out of here and even if you do you can't stop them yeah like, oh so like okay there's something bigger than that like going on like there's something supernatural like they have powers and uh that didn't that didn't pan out but yeah, yeah. you know i, I don't, I don't want to criticize it for what it's not i'd rather just you know appreciate it for what it is like you said like a, a, like that's a great way to put it. it's like a fairy tale like you know she she like little red riding hood you know or like she wants to escape and, and uh and all that yeah um, it's, it's also a few, i'm sorry go ahead I was going to say, yeah, it's it's definitely um, a fun movie, though. You know what I mean? Like, like all the things that we're talking about are, like, these extrapolations that we're making on what we would like the plot to have been, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, you know, one of the things that made me think that, like, hell or, or boy to hell thing was intentional is, like, there's, like, a little nod to uh, the movie Misery that, uh, you know, that it, it again – there's a callback to it towards the end uh, where he's like, you know, you know, like, how, how do you escape in misery? Like, well, he, he had leverage. It's like you need leverage. I mean, this has one of my favorite scenes. Anytime I see a little kid getting hurt in a movie, like it just <laughs> makes me fucking laugh hysterically. I, 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 same thing with like, I love animals, but anytime like, a dog jumps off a cliff in a movie, like I just, you know, start laughing. Um, <laughs> See, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I like when kid get, kids get hurt, but I can't take the animal stuff. Like that's why I never read Cujo nor watched the movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, when it's taken seriously, I don't think it's funny. But like, I remember watching like it, it was something like a fish called Wanda, where a guy's trying to kill this girl and ends up killing her dogs. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's to a me, brilliant movie, by the way. 
it's so brilliant, man. So good. Um, one of the best things to have, like, you know, a Python, Monty Python member in. Uh, anyway, where was I? <laughs> um, yeah, like, um, like I said, like, that little, like, throwaway line about misery, you know, it, it comes back, you know, like, this movie is definitely, like, self-aware and just more about, like, you know, having having fun with it. Like, even though Rex is in this terrible predicament, and he's scared, you know, he's still sort of cracking jokes and like, you know, you're still sort of like laughing at, his, at, at what he's saying or like, you know, they'll show him trying to escape and I'll show like a funny angle. Like at one point, like his hands are tied up and you just see his hands and then you see his foot come into the frame. Like he's doing some crazy, like insane stretching. Yeah, there was the one scene where he was like basically just doing pull ups. And, uh, yeah. and, and like his alter ego is like, it's not, t- it's no time for that. <laughs> and he's like, cause he's trying to like, I guess yeah. gnaw his way through the, the, you know, the, um, the ropes. Yeah. He's doing pulse. And like, I, I thought the same thing before, like his alter ego himself, like, yeah, that fucking <laughs> takes a lot of energy you're going to need. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I also wrote down like this, like, again, like this is not like some super serious folk horror movie or anything like that i wrote down like uh like this is going in the like the uh um direction of something like the evil dead or um what was that hide and seek movie that just came out not long ago i don't know uh god it was about a a family in a mansion and a girl they played games and the girl it was like hide and seek or something like that god damn it i wrote it down now i can't find what i did with it Ready or not, that's what it was called. Did you see that? No. Oh, not sure if you'd like it, but yeah, this is I, sort I, of. I know the movie. Now that the title, I know the title. I think I read the synopsis and I was like, ah, pass. You know? Yeah, I think this is sort of in that same kind of league um, of like, you know, it's a horror movie. There's a lot of blood, there's a lot of violence, but none of it is meant to be taken super seriously. And while you don't know, like, the outcome, you know, like, this is sort of like a fun movie and it's probably going to end okay for the hero. Maybe not. But it's definitely in the same league as that. And then towards the end, like, I wrote down Evil Dead and, like, underlined it three three times because Rex sort of becomes, like, a Bruce Campbell-ish sort of character towards the end. Yeah, yeah. I would say this movie is, like, a Quentin Tarantino film starring Bruce Campbell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah totally yeah. yeah this is like a, a throwback to the 90s like all the way even with like some of like the editing techniques and yes like, it's very cutty like that. a lot of quick edits in this one a lot of quick edits a lot of going back to things i like that you go back to the bank robbery and see what really happened and that like maybe he isn't a hero maybe he is a fucking psycho <laughs> um yeah. I, I liked, I liked, you know, having military training so he knew, knows what to do. He knows what's useful to him. Um, there's a funny fucking uh, like joke in the movie involving a flare gun. Um, but again, like, it, it doesn't ever really pan out the way I think it, I think it's going to go. Like, um, like, like I said earlier about Rex kind of like, you know, him had, there's two of them in his head, but they're both sort of, you know, at one point, Rex has the option to, like, do something heroic or do something selfish. And, like, the main Rex chooses the selfish option, which I thought was interesting. It's not like the, the imaginary Rex trying to talk him into, like, all right, it's, you know, like, 
save yourself, fuck, fuck this chick, you know? <laughs> but like, he, he, that's sort of the route he goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's complicated. That's what I liked about it too, you know? Yeah, it is. And like, in, in, in a way, like, I, I didn't see the way the ending pan out coming at all. And that's one thing I really appreciated about this movie. Like, a lot of times like this, you can, like, know beat for beat what's going to happen. This movie does not play out at all like I thought it was going to. And there's the unresolved uh, love affair that never was between Rex and Maddie. Maddie, the bank teller, right? The lady from the bank, yeah. And that kind of made me sad, actually, a little bit. I was watching that. I was like, oh, I'm a little sad, you know? Yeah, it is. You get, like, and again, you get a better sense of like, you know, what he really like lost in the in those eight years. Like, it, it, although it's a fun movie, Arthur, like I said, some some darker moments to it. And that is that is definitely one of them. Like her going to see him in jail. It's like a pretty sad moment in this movie. I agree with you. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's it's a a wide array of things that you can get from watching this film. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, something you could definitely rewatch too, because I think. As we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna definitely gonna watch this again. You know, it's something. It's if I could find this on Blu-ray for cheap, I'll probably pick it up. Yeah, I feel like the best way to watch this, like, like I like I watched it with uh, some guy. You know, I don't drink anymore, but my friends were all, you know, drinking a few beers, watching this, laughing, having a good time. That's kind of the environment to watch something like this in. Like, you don't take it, you know, super seriously. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun to be had. Uh, it's a quick movie, 90 minutes-ish. Um, like I said earlier, there's a little bit of an epilogue that I felt really kind of like maybe unnecessarily sets it up for a sequel or something. I really just, I don't really like stuff like that. Or maybe it was a throwback to like the 80s horror movie where there's always a little bit of a twist at the end. And I really just think like the, that whole like last couple minutes, I could I could have done without that. I kind of like the, uh, the 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 falling action part at the end, you know. But the um, I, I could have, yeah, I could see cutting that out. But there was some funny stuff that happened in in that, which I thought was cool. So I don't know. Hmm. So you guys There's, check it out and you know let us know how you feel about the ending for sure. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to see what, what what people think. Maybe um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I could have done 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 without that. And there's also a little bit of a stinger too, where you know a minute into the credits, like something something else comes up like it cuts like a quick like I don't know, 20 30 second scene that i was like really could have done without that but uh you know i don't it's, it's it's in there so let us know what you think but mike if you had to give this a grade what are you thinking four yeah i agree yeah four Re- definitely it rewatchable is, definitely rewatchable yeah. yeah rewatchable fun um you know, my girlfriend watched it with me the second time around. She was laughing. She was having fun with it. And that's exactly the kind of movie that this is. And when people say, hey, what's wrong with a, like a fun, bloody horror movie? I say nothing if it's done well. And this is something that's done well. It has the right tone. It knows what it is. And it's well executed in that regard. It wasn't, didn't go where I, where I wanted it to go. But, I mean, that's my own expectations. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And um, surprisingly, like, not, I was going to say surprisingly, but well acted, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I have that written down too. Like, there's a bunch of people we don't really know, like, uh, in it, and everyone uh, feels 
very good. Like, even, like, you know, the mother and the father, they don't have, like, a wide range that they need in the movie. But they're very good. Like, the father's very, you know, stern. Believe Everyone's very believable in, in, in their roles. And no one felt like they were, like, you know, like, amateurish with their acting. And especially to uh, the lead actor having to pull uh, double duty. Uh, I thought he did a great job. And, you know, this movie does maybe hint at, like, you could see more from this character. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, wouldn't be opposed to that. It would be kind of cool to check in on these people in, in a few years and see what's going on. I agree. Cause like, yeah, like I said, he was such a likable character and the actor was great. And uh, I, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing a sequel, even though that could possibly be disastrous, really. <laughs> yeah, it could, or it could be something <laughs> like totally different. Like when you watch the raid and then you watch the raid too, like, it couldn't they couldn't be more different but like i think that's a great way to do a sequel than trying to like just copy the the original over again like just put these characters in a different situation like you know like the evil dead movies you have evil dead 2 and then you have army of darkness you know what i mean actually that's a good point i agree with that yeah yeah and that's exactly the kind of league i think this 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 movie is is, is playing in so uh maybe we'll see more from it i don't know i, I mean I've never heard of this movie before I saw it, and I don't know any, like, you know, I mentioned it to you, and you've never heard of it, no, so I don't I really haven't, know no. if, it, if it made a lot of noise, you know, like, and uh, I'm not really sure why. This seems like something horror fans would just eat up. Also, it seems like this should be something that should be on Shudder, too. Like, this is perfect for Shudder. A hundred percent. I totally, totally couldn't agree more. Like, that is a great place to discover a movie like this, and, uh, you know, sadly, it's not on there. You got to uh, rent it on on Amazon, which you know, unless you're really scroll scrolling through and looking for something, you know, you, you might find it. But I feel like you really have to be looking for this to to find it on Amazon. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, definitely check it out, you guys. If um, you know, you're in, you're in the need for a film that's fun, you know, has a lot of action in it and is really well done. This is definitely something we recommend. For sure. And uh, Mike, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, sometimes I, I, I don't know if you're going to like something or not that I mentioned. So <laughs> glad you liked it. Yeah, that no, was great. And uh, I enjoyed cool. it a lot. Thanks for recommending this, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was fun. It was uh, it's a fun one and one I'll be showing to, to, to friends uh, in the future. You know, like uh, we have some friends that don't like to watch modern horror movies. And like this, is, this would be one of your I could point you and be like, this is this is a good one. This is how you do it. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.